Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... the battle in our mind, we're not told to flee, we're told to resist him, steadfast, some versions say firm, in the faith. Very interesting. Peter says, don't fear him, fight him. Don't fear him, fight him. And how do you fight him? With faith. I don't know about you, but that fills me with such hope that we can fight him off. We can actually resist him. This is actually a battle we can win. As Pastor Jim brings us to the conclusion of the study of 1 Peter today, he reminds us that we will face problems in this life. Many of these problems are of a spiritual nature and test our faith. But the Apostle Peter takes the role of a spiritual father towards all of us and encourages us in life's struggles. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 with part one of his message entitled, Final Words from a Spiritual Father. Well, I absolutely love being a dad. I knew from a very early time in my life, probably as young as seven or eight years old, that I wanted to be a dad. And being a dad has a lot of highs and lows. One of the hardest parts about being a father for me was dropping my kids off at college for the first time. And I can't tell you how painful that was for me, each of my three kids. Now, I was excited for them, But on the other hand, I was hoping that they would remember the things that I had taught them. I was hoping that they would make wise choices as life's challenges come along. Now, you might not know what it's like to be a dad, but I'm sure you know what it's like when someone you know is leaving and you just, I mean, your heart is just like pressing like something you got to say. It's kind of funny watching the difference between Pam and I, you know, Pam's like, you know, do your laundry, make sure you eat, you know, and I'm like the first one, Ryan, I'm like, don't drink, (laughs) right? And then Jessica, I was like, don't talk to boys, (laughs) And then Tim, he's really into working out. I'm like, don't take steroids, you know, so so all these different types of things that I just want to impart to my kids at the last minute, and you know what that's like, someone you know is leaving and I love you or, or, or don't forget, and so as we close out 1 Peter today, I've entitled the message, Final Words from a Spiritual Father. Final Words from a Spiritual Father, as Peter has, I think, in so many ways, been a father to us these past few months. Well, the first thing he tells us, if you're taking notes, three things we want to look at he tells us in his parting with us. And he, first thing he says is, don't let the devil devour you. Don't let the devil devour you. Verse 8, he says, Be sober. The idea is not don't drink too much, but be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Be a vigilante of your own soul. Some versions say be watchful, be alert. Why? Well, he tells us because your adversary, the devil, every follower of Jesus Christ has an adversary, the devil. If you're not a follower, I'm glad you're here. I love it when the Bible just tells us kind of the way it is. 
because your adversary, the devil, walks about, the idea is, uh, another version says, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Seeking people to, someone to devour. Now, if you recall, this letter is, it is a letter. It's also called an epistle, a book. It's a letter written by the apostle Peter, who traveled with Jesus for three years, about 30 years after Jesus was crucified, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. And he's writing to a bunch of churches that are out in the area of what we today know as Turkey, kind of in the outskirts of the Roman Empire. They're beginning to be marginalized by the culture. Rome is, you know, the, the tentacles are starting to reach out a little bit. And, and Peter knows that suffering is coming down the road. And in this letter, he has made both individual and corporate applications. Now, it's easy for us as Americans because we're so about ourselves, really, and part of the sinful condition is we read the Bible as if it's only for ourselves when so much of the Bible is written for groups of people in churches that would gather together. What did he tell us? Be humble, not proud. Put others first. And then he also told us to cast our cares, to cast our anxiety on the Lord because he cares for us. Now, I got a few emails this week, talked to a few people about this whole idea of casting our cares and our anxieties upon the Lord. And I want to make sure that we didn't hear something that wasn't there. He didn't say Christians never have anxieties. He didn't say Christians never have cares. He said, when we get them, take them and cast them on the Lord. We still have to do what we have to do, but we are to cast them on the Lord. That's very important because he's telling us now, and don't disconnect that section from this section, there is an enemy that we need to watch out for called the devil and pride and anxiety make his job easier. Pride and excessive worry make his job easier. You ever work with somebody and you're like, you're making my job harder. When we are humble, when we're putting others first, when we're casting our cares on the Lord, when we're trusting in him, we're making the devil's job harder. But when we don't do that, we make his job easier. Now, many of you might be saying, well, I don't believe in the devil. That's exactly what he was hoping for. It's exactly what he was hoping for. And sometimes we do this, we minimize the devil even in our own speaking. I was thinking about, I do this all the time. One of the expressions I'm often saying is the devil's in the details. It seems like the little details of life is what always burn me. <laughs> and, or we talk about people, oh, let's be the devil's advocate. You know, like, I'm not the devil's advocate, but I'll say it, right? And we use it as an expression, all things to help us forget that the Bible teaches that the devil is real. Other people are obsessed with the devil. It's exactly what he was hoping for. Sometimes uh, many of you have been to church services where it's more about the devil than about Jesus. He's barely mentioned in the Bible, only at, at specific points, but some people are just obsessed with him. He's portrayed here as a roaring lion ready to pounce on his prey. What would be his prey or who would be his prey? An unsuspecting, unaware follower of Jesus Christ. And he says, be vigilant, be watchful, be alert. Have you ever been on high alert? 
When I was in college, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, when I was in college, I used to sometimes procrastinate in my going home on breaks. And so I would end up having to take, I went to school in New Jersey, I lived in Long Island, and I would then take the bus to the Port Authority. I'd be like Santa Claus with my bag of laundry going home to see my mom. Here, mom, by the way, I brought my laundry. And I'd take the bus to the Port Authority, and then I would have to take the eight-block walk down 8th Avenue, into Times Square would take it, to the Penn Station there to go out to Long Island. Now, those of you who are younger think, oh, that's an easy walk. Not back then. I used to call it the walk of death. In fact, if it was late enough at night, what I would do was I would actually walk down the middle of 8th Avenue. Because what would happen on 8th Avenue in the dark is you would have pimps and prostitutes and drug dealers and what looked like muggers popping out of the dark saying, hey, kid, come here. You know, I just reeked of suburbia. So they would be doing that. And my mind was on high alert. I mean, I was really looking out carefully for what could devour me. And so Peter's not telling us to be obsessed walking around thinking about the devil all the time, but he is saying be spiritually alert in the fact that you discipline your mind, and if you discipline your mind to be watching out for things we're going to be talking about in a bit, you will be less likely to be spiritually devoured. So what does it mean to be devoured by the devil? Well, it's the spiritual battle that goes on within your soul to sin, right? It goes on within, and it's that, that pull that you feel. And, you know, a lot of times all we need to do is get the idea, and our mind does the rest, right? We don't need any devil to do the rest. We'll just do it ourselves. It's a battle of your mind to get you to compromise. In church life, what is it? I think it's a lot of times it's people get hurt, and it turns into bitterness, and it deals with our minds. And ultimately, what is it geared to do? It's to get you to quit. It's to render you ineffective. It's to get you to give up. Bible students, the word is, it's to get you to apostatize. To really walk away from God. And you might still come to church on Sunday, but spiritually, you've walked away from him. Now, his name is Satan. That means adversary. He's described here as the devil. That word means slanderer, accuser, or deceiver. What does that tell us about his primary weapon? They're lies. He majors in lies. Now, again, what was the last thing that Peter told us? He told us that the Lord cares for you. How interesting he goes from casting your cares upon the Lord. He goes from be humble, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you into devil talk. Because he knows that as soon as you think that the Lord cares for you, there's some tendencies that go on. Well, of course he does. I'm so special and so wonderful. I'm Pastor Jim. (laughs) No. Or perhaps you start thinking, well, um, no, he really doesn't care for me. The accuser has come into your brain and told you, no, 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 that's for the other people. That's for the other people. And then that morphs into not only doesn't God care for you, but nobody else cares for you. Your dog, he hates you. I mean, he only comes to you because you feed him. Your cat, forget about cats. I've I've been with my cat for two days. I can't wait for my wife to come home from the woman's retreat. He hates me. Okay, Except when I feed him. See, the devil uses 
doubt to destroy our faith. The devil uses fear to devour our faith. He takes our suffering and our predicaments and then he goes to work to try and convince us that we are on our own. And we've seen in the last couple of weeks that the Lord tests us not to hurt us, but to purify us. And the liar and deceiver comes along and says, no, he's not trying to purify you. He's trying to get rid of you. The Lord's not trying to help you. The Lord can't stand you. And here's the thing where some of us who tend to be a little bit more sensitive in things, and I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm just saying we have to realize if that maybe is part of the way that we're wired is that when we hear things like the, the judgment begins in the house of the Lord, and we said that God is evaluating his people, you know what? You may not be as much a part of that as you think you are. I think we're seeing a massive evaluation by God going on in the United States of America right now. Massive. And probably most of you in this room are not part of it. You say, why are we excluded? Well, you have people who just don't care about God and they just some are against God. By the way, they make the best believers. <laughs> they don't care about God and they're just over here indifferent to God, don't care about God, whatever about God. And then you have people like, oh, let's just, I'll use an example. People who go to weird warehouse churches in Dover. And they, they're pretty hardcore. But it's the middle that's kind of being tested right now. And so you have a lot of people who are moving out of the middle and saying, you know what, it's just too costly to be a Christian now. There's too many obstacles. It's not worth it. And so the evaluation is that they probably thought they were Christians in the past, but they're really not. And so if we allow that kind of thinking to come into our brains, we're Christians because of our response of faith to what Jesus Christ has done. It's by grace we have been saved through faith, not through anything we have done, lest we should boast. So when does the devil attack? When does he pounce? When does he deceive? When does he devour? When we are most vulnerable. He knows the weak points. He's no dummy. He's not everywhere. The devil's a created being. God, don't be like, oh gosh, I hope God can beat him up. Don't worry. Our dad can beat their dad, all right? But when we're at our most vulnerable, that's when he strikes or when we're asleep, when we're not thinking about it. So what do we do to avoid being devoured? Look at the first half of verse nine. He says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Let's just stop right there. There's a lot of stuff here in those few words. Resist him. I don't think Peter thinks he's like, you know, the dark side of the force. No, he, Peter's like, it's a him. It's a guy. It's an angel. It, it, he's real. And notice it says, resist him. Very interesting to me because most of the time in the Bible when there's sin around, we're told to what? Flee, flee. But with him, in the battle in our mind, we're not told to flee. We're told to resist him steadfast. Some versions say firm in the faith. Very interesting. Peter says, don't fear him, fight him. Don't fear him, fight him. And how do you fight him? With faith. I don't know about you, but that fills me with such hope that we can fight him off. We can actually resist him. This is actually a battle we can win. That all of those crazy thoughts that come across our mind can actually like, do you ever think of something like, all of a sudden you're like, what am I thinking? 
What am I thinking? And he says, resist him. When the lies and the fears come, resist and fight. Stand in the faith. Stand in confident, determined opposition. Now, how do you do that? This is really where the rubber meets the road. This is really where you know, practical Christianity comes in. Last week, we talked about casting our cares upon him taking our cares and just throwing them back to God and then when they come back, we're throwing them back to him again. We've said many times before to start preaching to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves. Do you ever have an idea pop in your head and then you start to listen to yourself and then before you know it, you're 20 miles down the road and next thing you know, you're on the interstate and you're running out of highway because you're in California? (laughs) Your mind just takes you in all these kinds of things instead of stopping and preaching to ourselves the truth what we know about God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, the Apostle Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. Use the word of God and prayer and the praise of God and the fellowship to fight of God's people to fight the battle. But be careful in our fellowship that we're not helping, we're not enjoining people in their crazy thinking. We have to be helping them to fight this battle. James said this, James 4, 7, therefore submit to God. That's why all this submission talk that Peter's had, he's teaching us how to submit to God, just like James would say. James goes on, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't it interesting? Everybody's saying that we can resist him. Everybody's saying that he will flee. We don't have to flee. Now look at the second half of verse 9. It says this, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Knowing that the same things that are going on in your mind are going on in the mind, though of varying degrees, of course, but are going on in the minds of the people that are sitting right next to you. You're like, they think like I think? Right? If you knew what went on in my mind, you'd never come here and listen to me. And if I knew what was going on in your mind, I'd probably never, I'd say, what's the point of doing a sermon? <laughs> and, so, and so it's very interesting that he's saying that the same sufferings are experienced by, your, by other believers in the world. See, one of the big tactics that the enemy uses to devour you is to corner you and to convince you that you're alone. That you are so much different than everybody else that your problems are way more different than everybody else's problems, that you are the exception, that nobody understands you, that even God himself doesn't understand you. So why does he want to do that? So we isolate. We stop hanging out with our Christian friends. We don't answer the calls and text messages, and then we get out of it by saying, oh, nobody ever called me and texted me. Or maybe we even come, but we withdraw our heart. We're in it, but we're not in it to win it. We're withdrawing because we're isolated, because we feel like we're alone. At that point, but you have to picture what we are. We're walking down the road, but we're a sitting duck for the devil. We're a sitting duck. He's in the woods He's waiting for that right moment to pounce. And he pounces. And what do we do? 
Aflac, Aflac. I mean, that's how I feel like. <laughs> you know, my dopey friends over here, major medical, major medical. I mean, that's what I feel like. I feel like, man, I set myself up for this. So Peter tells the spiritual children, we are all going to suffer. We are all going to be marginalized in some way by our culture. We're all going to be persecuted by people. We're all going to be made fun of. We're all going to be tempted to feel entitled to sin because of how difficult life is. And what does he tell us? Don't be naive about it. Expect it. Expect it. Instead, Peter tells us we draw strength from what we know to be true that all followers of Jesus are the powerful God's beloved children. We stand on the promises and the truths of the word of God, of what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross in our place for our sins, not for us to be devoured by wickedness, not for us to be devoured by the devil, but to give us life. And as Jesus said, to give you life more abundantly. Over time, we learn. It takes time, guys. We learn that although it's hard to resist sin and temptation at first, although it's hard to resist the crazy lies that pop into our minds, the longer we do resist in the power of the Holy Spirit, the easier it will become. And you know, I made a joke last week about smoking pot and because Calvary Chapel is just, we're a convert ministry. That's just who we are. So many people come to here because they just, they once were not Christians. They lived a very different life. And you guys that are on the other side of recovery, you know that it's not easy but you know the stronger you walk in your faith it does get easier it's not as hard as it used to be and what do you do when you fail you give up no you cast you cast you throw out your cares and your failures you pick yourself up you dust yourself off and you get on the horse again. How many of you ever rode a horse? Do you know that 1986, the United States won the World Cup in Berlin? The kid I grew up across the street from was on the team. I've met polo players in southern Florida, and I told them who my neighbor was, and like, you're kidding me. You know how many times that kid fell off the horse? I remember his father telling me, I rode with them and I fell a couple times and he says, the best horse riders are those who have fallen the most. It's going to happen. Isaiah 50 verse 7, he writes, For the Lord will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. What's a flint? A hard stone. They used to make fires. He's saying, I won't yield and I know that I will not be ashamed. Now, you can read that and say, well, boy, that sounds like Jesus, and it certainly does, written hundreds of years before Jesus lived. But what about for us? Do we know that the Lord will be our help? Do we know that if he's our help, that we won't be disgraced? 
that we know that if we set our face on him, that we will not be ashamed. Some of us here in this church are carrying a lot of shame. And we need to cast it. Because if you don't cast it, you'll be what? Devoured. He'll come hunting. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website, changedbyloveradio.com? That's changedbyloveradio.com. Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching from the book of 1 Peter with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.